Hi, everyone, and welcome to the newest episode of Cross the Airways Productions' very own Longbow Hunters, the Arrow Podcast, the podcast dedicated to giving you weekly updates and reviews on the new CW hit TV series, Arrow. I'm your host, Michael J. Petty, and with me is my crime-busting co-host. Woo S. Kim. I'm sorry, I'm recovering from my vertigo hangover. Yeah, like got the last batch of that stuff. Really good stuff. And speaking of vertigo, we actually have the Count with us tonight. Ah, 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 ah. Yes, across the area's very own the Count. Don Schmidt. For those of you that didn't understand a word of that like I did, he said Dan Schmidt. <laughs> yes, Across Area's creator Dan Schmidt is with us tonight. Yes. Unexpectedly, he wasn't supposed to be until Yes, you have recently. one, two, three podcast holes. Ah, 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 ah. And with that, we'll see you guys next week. <laughs> the trailer. <laughs> We're done. <laughs> No, what are we doing on this episode of Longbow Hunters? In, in this episode, we're going to talk about carrot cake and how much we love Joanna and how how Laurel and Tommy are supposed to be together. No, we are talking about things. I can't wait. Yes, no, we are talking about episode twelve, Vertigo, and Michael's comic book picks. Or are we doing that this episode, sir? Do you no, have any no, comic no. Book? We haven't been doing that recently, so we'll just we'll oh. just leave that off. Oh. But we will also be covering the seventeenth uh, digital comic book for Arrow, entitled Two Minute Warning. And but I mean, before that, real quick, we're, we just got to announce before we get into our episode discussion that on January twenty ninth. Um, Batman The Dark Knight Returns Part 2, the latest DC animated, no, DC Universe animated original movie. Say that three times fast. Yeah, make that a little bit longer, please. <laughs> right? It came out. So Dan and I watched it today. It was incredible. Woo, yes. Woo, you, when you see it, you will be so excited. And it's violent as all get out. And it's different than the comic, but for the better. Yeah, just an improvement of the fight scenes. Is is the end like as drawn out as it was in the comic? Because that's one of the things I really didn't like about the comic. The end was a little bit too drawn out. Kind of like The Dark Knight Rises. No, it, it doesn't feel drawn out. They more use the time to enhance the fight scene. So they get across the same stuff that made the long ending, but they put it into the fight scene. Good, good. Yeah, they do it real well, so everyone who is able to, go buy it on DVD or Blu-ray, because it, it really is incredible. And if you haven't seen Batman Dark Knight Returns Part 1, I would get that along with this movie, because if you get them both at Target at the same time, you get both DVDs, you'll, you'll have $5 off. Hey, right hey, now. hey, I make, I make the plugs for saving money on Target on this podcast, sir. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> okay. <laughs> can you tell people about the deals they can find on Sesame Street now? There oh, oh, Se yeah. Sesame Street is just getting really dark recently. You've got, you've got like sexual allegations. Now the, now the count, now the count is dealing, dealing drugs on Sesame Street. No wonder we haven't seen Tully for the last few episodes. And, and, and Oscar the Grouch is selling drugs too. What is happening to kid shows these days? Well, that one wasn't very shocking. Yeah. 
Oh, no, actually, I, I, I'm shocked to believe that Oscar's actually sober while, while he's doing this. The jury's still out of that one. Oh, wow. Yeah. This, right, this makes them... This uh, this makes that whole Matai Teo thing seem kind of small, doesn't it? Our heroes are our heroes are just falling before our eyes. It's not pretty. Like that Kardashian baby's gonna be. Kidding, kidding, oh kidding. Wow. wow, he really went there, folks. <laughs> you really did. You really did. No, the episode we are covering today is. Vertigo, which is episode 12 of Arrow, and it was written by Wendy Mersel and Ben, and I always butcher this, Sokolowski. I, I am never going to pronounce Easy that. names, to, really easy names to like um, pronounce on this series, Arrow. Well, and the problem is, if we ever can get like some of these writers on our show, he would be the one I would want to get, and I would never be able to say his name <laughs> right, so I'd feel like an idiot. But uh, this episode was also directed by Wendy Stanzler. So, I mean, we should just probably... We had two Wendy's on this episode. We did have and two this Wendy's. this episode, episode is brought to you by Wendy's. There you go. <laughs> now you're making me so, hungry, Will. I'm going to go get some chicken yeah. nuggets. Yeah, get some Frosties, too. Andy! Andy! Get some Frosties and chicken nuggets. Andy! Where are our Frosties? We are getting really thirsty in here. These European guys, I swear. Unbelievable. Lewis Jones. Where's Lewis Jones' number? Oh my Lord. Yes. We're going to replace Andy with Lewis Jones. Okay. For, do you guys want to just start at the beginning with the... Or, but, but here's the thing. You, you didn't mention this in the script, Michael. How about that opening scene in this episode? Awesome. Yes. yes. I, I was gonna say, I was gonna say, did the director have the Blu-ray of Batman 1989 and Batman Begins on set while they were doing this? Well, I mean, woo, like you and I talked about, people compare this show so much to the Dark Knight trilogy when in reality, it's more like Batman 89 than anything. Yeah, I wanna, uh, I, I'm not gonna kill you. I just wanna know about the count. Yeah. Don't kill me, man. Don't kill me, man. Don't kill me, man. <laughs> Yeah, it was it was pretty awesome. It should be. Can you tell me how to get to Sesame Street? <laughs> and why is that bird here? What what is a yellow bird just doing wearing roller skates? Ooh, where did oh. you just go? No, no. Um, yes, next to the big belly burger, they've got one there. Oh no! I have to say, I'm really I'm I'm really glad we didn't get the. The opening that I just don't like. I'm sorry. My name is Oliver Queen. We know your name already. We've been watching the show for 12 episodes. We know your name. We know you're not going to say, my name is Louis Jones. Yeah. Well, and I mean, really, this episode really set the bar for what people didn't like and for what people did like because they got rid of all the things people have been complaining about and they push forward the things that people have been caring about. Yeah. That well, that's it, everybody. We'll see you next week. I still have one minor problem. Yeah. What problem? Well, I think that the... Joanna's gone. The villains are still getting <laughs> underdeveloped. No, I... See, I don't agree with that. And the reason I say that is because I think every episode a major DC villain has been in so far... I think has only been in preparation for them to return. I think with Vert, the Count at least, and with Deadshot, 
we know Deadshot's coming back. Right. And he's going to come back stronger and revamped and reimagined from what the creators of the show have said. Okay. You can and make him China stronger, White, faster. No, 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 no. And with China White, we have gotten her over a bunch of episodes where she's getting more and more right. screen time and fighting time. And in a sense, develop, not necessarily as a character, but her presence has been. Okay. So then I would say the same with Deathstroke. You're getting to see him throughout the flashbacks. And next week, we're actually going to see him as a person without the mask. And we're going to actually learn about him. But we've been eased into him throughout the flashbacks. And I think that's what they'll do with the Count at some point. Because him being injected with all that vertigo at the end... I think may introduce hyper abilities on the verge of superhuman abilities, but not necessarily that. And I think when he comes back, this is going to be what he will call his origin story. Okay. Michael, Michael, you're dead wrong. His hair is going to turn green and he's going to start wearing makeup. <laughs> or, or, or put on jungle shorts and call himself the creeper. Oh my gosh. Oh no. Yeah. Because he kind of does you, look like the creeper too. you get what I'm here about the villains though? Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, I just feel like this show should start being shaped and structured like comic books where each villain is introduced in a multi-arc story arc. Because I thought the Huntress story worked really well in that regard. But that's for heroes, though. For villains, the thing with villains is they'll appear in an issue or two of a book, but they don't come back for a while because generally, unless they're an overarching villain like Malcolm Merlin or Deathstroke, or uh, even China White in some respects, they don't need to be there. With the heroes, if you just introduce them in one episode, it's harder to be invested in them if they want to return. The villains okay. you don't have to be invested in because they're just antagonists to the hero. The heroes are the ones you want to care about. And okay. to Michael's point, like, look at season one of Smallville. Did they really set up a lot of villains over on that show? In its first season, I get first seasons like a pass just because you don't get you don't really form the series until your second season. If you get a second season, right? To me, but I think Smallville it was structured it with it being in a small town setting, kind of high school setting, that it was easier to introduce and incorporate villains because it took place in a smaller world. Yeah, that's true. But that's think true. of um, think of Eric Summers in season one. He's the guy who took Clark's powers because of the lightning storm in the meteorite. Yeah, he was introduced in that episode, but he was brought back and developed more two seasons later as a more uh, recurring villain in a sense. He wasn't true. just a standalone episode. He wasn't just a freak of the week. He came back. So did Ian Randall and Van McNulty from season two. And Eric Summers turned out to be turned out to be Chloe's first love. Oh wait, no, sorry, wrong brother, wrong, wrong brother. Okay, no. it's me hitting my no. head. Woo. Yes, well, um, but, but Greer but, was pretty memorable. Memorable, but she came and, back in the second one. Okay, but was she yeah. pretty memorable after her appearance in the first season? I would have thought so because okay. of how creepy she was. That I, was I mean, one I of the best. By the way, that was one of the best swerves they've ever done on that series. That was. I was not expecting Tina Greer at all. Yeah. With the Whitney episode. Yeah, that that was one of the yeah. best swerves I've ever, I've ever seen. And look what Lizzie Kaplan went on from Smallville. But we're getting we're getting off on a tangent, guys. Let's get let's get yeah. back to Arrow. But I guess that's what I mean, Dan. I mean, 
right. when they introduce the one villain, they're not just... If it's going to be a big, big villain from the DC Universe, they're not going to just have it at one. They're going to move it forward over time. Because, I mean, I just thought that uh, Vertigo, I don't want to call him the Count, because it just makes me think of the Sesame Street character. I want to joke around. But I think with... <laughs> I thought Vertigo was kind of underused to this episode. For being Seth Gable, okay, for his fringe fan base. Yeah. Because I think they got a lot of people to watch this show. Because that even should have been utilized more. Because his wackiness could have been really scary. Because it seemed scary in the trailer. But then when we got into the episode, besides that one introductory scene we got from him, the saw really wasn't as scary the as saw scene, as I call it. Yeah. The saw scene, as I call it. Yeah, I get what you're saying. No, I, I, I understand. I'm just... But they had other fish they need to fry in this episode. Right. Um, I think the relationship with Oliver and Thea was handled really well in this episode. I think there were some neat things that needed to be done between her and Laurel. That was really good. Yeah. And I also think that um, they, they moved the big Dark Archer story forward really well, too, and they needed to do that. Yeah, Oliver needed to start getting connected with it more so than he was, because he'd start looking stupid. Yeah, I don't, I don't. Well, I, I, I respectfully disagree with that. I don't think he was looking stupid. I, I, well, I'm I just saying, running the risk of it. I well, he the, was looking. Well, here's the thing: we've been watching WB and CW shows for a long time, the three of us. Yes. I give a, I give a pass to to season one shows because in season one you really don't know who you are, what you're gonna be as a series. Yeah. So I really, I really, I don't complain as much in, if it's season one. Now, if this was going on like season four, I would complain a lot more. I'd be on, on Dan yeah. Dan a, a little bit more. But since this is season one, I give it a pass just because. They don't know really what, like, what style fits them. And it's evident in the first season in these genre shows that they really don't know until, like, you know, the DVDs, the DVDs come back and, you know, they really, like, like look at their se season as a whole. Because as a writer, and we're all writers, you don't look at what the style of the show is while you're writing. You look at, at it af afterwards what you're doing, and then in your second and even your third season, you start shaping what the show is going to be. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, because, and I can attest to this, because I felt, personally, that Fringe was very much trying to be X-Files in the first season. Yeah, the first season, they fixed this. And then second season, they decided exactly where they wanted to go, and from then on, that's what they were. Yeah, and, and I think even, the same is same for Smallville because originally yes, it was, was a teen drama. Say, I was just gonna weeks. say it's. I mean, there's still a lot of pop music in season two, but you can totally tell if there the was. The difference ever, is they focus more on his origins in season two. Yeah, yeah. Well, and 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 in season one, they really didn't know where they want how he how heavy they wanted to play the comic book stuff so that's why they came up with the freak of the week thing and i think same, yeah yeah and i think same so, even to a sense in supernatural because the first scene is, is very much just monsters and season two really pick up the demon arc which was a recurring theme 
throughout the entire series, even until today in season eight. Right. That's and that's the thing, and uh, and I told this with Nico when he was on here. Veronica Mars is really like that too, in a sense, because it's yeah, all. Yeah, kind of point. Yeah, that's that's. I mean, there's a lot of parallels between this season, this series, and Veronica Mars in its first season, because ultimately, both shows are about one thing: finding out answers to what really happened on that boat, or what what really is the big bad here. Because I'm not convinced that Malcolm Merlin is the big guy in charge. He's like the no. he's the, he's the Goldar to to whoever is Lord Zed. Let's say. Well, and Lord Zed must be the Lord Zed to whoever is, um, crap, what's his name? Well, Dark Spectre. Dark, yeah. Well, he, well, he's in, well, Malcolm Merlin's in Lord Zed's palace, so there you go. There you go. Yeah, well, he is. With yeah, but window. it makes him a good season one villain, because season one villain can be the right-hand man. It's like Azazel de Lucifer in Supernatural. Yeah. Yeah. He was the main villain for a very long time and a very important part of who the brothers became. But overall, um, and Lilith was the same way, obviously. But overall, Lucifer was the big one. Yeah. Moira, send down the putties immediately. Okay. No. No. But, but going... But the reason why Oliver's like running down the sky, we find out that this guy is actually a drug dealer for Vertigo, and Oliver's like trying to like find out who the Count is so it can help Thea. Right. Yeah. I love the derogatory things that are being. Well, first of all, Dan, didn't you love that shot of the rack focus, the three shot of Speedy, Oliver, and Moira? Like, like in the yeah. in one shot, the focus was on Moira, and in the for in the foreground, it was Speedy and Oliver, and then the right focus went on Moira, and then the focus was on was on Speedy and Oliver. I love that. I really like that the director did that all in one shot, and I love the derogatory remarks being said to Thea as she's going to court. Vultures, especially by that judge. Yeah. Yeah. Well, speaking of the courtroom, did everybody love Thea's middle name? Yes, Dearden. Yes, Dearden. Yeah. Nice little play. Yeah. And I I don't know where I've seen this judge before, but I think I've seen him on like a couple shows. This guy really want I really wanted to punch this guy because really it's yeah. really true to true to life about what judges will do to famous people just to prove a point. And how sad is that, too? Sad, but, but it makes sense. Put the pressure on Oliver. Because, like, it, with, with him doing that, it was like he felt Theo was kind of paying for his sins. Yeah, I was just going to mention that. Because family. Bad reputation, yeah. Yeah, it makes sense, totally. Um, I love, I love the, uh, like, you know, again, she... I'm going to make a really bold statement here. I love chocolate. No, that wasn't it. Um, okay. um, but here's the thing with Speedy. I really think she's deflecting and being angry at Moira because she's trying to mask that she's really scared about going to prison. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. 
Well, and she yeah, can't confide in her mother because she doesn't trust her. And really, she can't confide to Oliver just because, well, I mean, not to draw this card out, but he is he is her brother and not, and not her sister so much. Well, I don't think, if it were her sister, I don't think it would make much of a difference only because she doesn't really trust people in general. And Willa Holland does this great thing of, you know how she, like, before she insults somebody, she blinks and then, like, turns her head? I think that's kind of a mechanism that she uses as an actress to tell us, the audience, that, that that's her little thing of, like, trying to mask how scared she actually is. Do you, do you notice that? Like, every time she, like, before she insults somebody, she blink, she closes her eyes, turns her head to the side a little bit, then does the, the deflecting thing. Yeah. That's yeah. A well, and then she also does that thing with her voice where she, like, Lower, lowers it in that weird way and has that um, babyish sound to it, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and and really, I think when they establish Roy Harper, I think he's going to be the one to call her out on that too. Like you can do that with you can do that with your family, but you're not going to do that with me. Do you think Laurel pick up on it a little bit too? I think so because honestly, like, and what and I know what kind of. And I know we're kind of skipping ahead. I, and I told this to Michael last night on the phone. I love the the f formation or the beginnings of what will be the Arrow family with the scenes with Oliver, Speedy, and Dinah. I really love yeah. those scenes. Just because it, I like that because it kind of foreshadows that, you know, Dinah's going to be the mommy, Oliver's going to be the daddy, and Speedy's going to be the little girl. And I love how, I'm sorry, I told this to Michael on the phone yesterday. What, what better way to show that Dinah and Oliver are meant to be than have them speak in unison? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and, well, and unlike Smallville, like I said last night, they are meant to be together in this show. They were supposed to be yeah. there, and unfortunately things didn't turn out that way, but it worked for that series at the time. Yeah, and the only thing that would make that those scenes better if Tommy was in the room and saw this and yeah. saw this happening. Because, again... I think that's coming, Will. Yeah, of course, of course it's coming. I just went, I just wish it would happen in this ep episode, just because I love Colin Donald when he sees. He's a really good. He shows. Yeah. He shows bitterness very well, kind of like his father. Like he shows bitterness very well as an actor, and um, the the whole and really. I told this to Michael on the phone, and uh, I'm sorry to go all over the place, guys. I'm sorry we're going all over the place. But I told it's Michael... It's easier if, to do that, Lou. It's okay. Yeah. I, I told Michael this on the phone yesterday. The main reason why this episode was so good, and really why any episode of TV is so good, is it had something for everybody. If you wanted romance, you got a little bit of romance. Right. If you wanted suspense, you got a little bit of that. If you wanted action, you got a little bit of that. If you wanted horror, we got that. Flashbacks, you know. Thriller, suspense, yeah. Yeah. And, and you also got a little bit of a family show in there, too. Yeah, I mean, you got a little bit of everything. And with Felicity. And even Sm a crime drama, in a sense. 
Yeah, and with Felicity Smoke, some great comedy. We had a cat in here, right. yeah. and oh my god, it smelled. It smelled. <laughs> and real and a nice cliffhanger and a nice cliffhanger at the end with Oliver and Felicity. Yeah. Yes. Um, I have to, I have to talk about I have to talk about for a little bit McKenna Hall, just because I love this actress, and I really like her chemistry with Stephen Amell. Yeah, they they work really well together. I thought. And no, she is not a character in the comics, people. So this could go any way. Now, I have a question for you guys. Do you think she has somewhat of an attraction to Oliver? Oh, well, yeah. yeah. Okay. Because Stephen Amell is... I wonder so if she's going to be a precursor to girlfriend to Kim Getty with Laurel. Well, here's the thing with McKenna Hall. I, 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 the way I wrote her... The way I looked at her backstory is she's pretty. She before she was the the cop. She was pretty much Starling City's equivalent in Paris Hilton. Just the way they described their past together too. Okay. Wu and his uh, imaginary backstories. Yes. Tend to make sense yes. all the time. What? Okay. At least they make. At least they make sense. That's all I have to say. At least they make sense. And hey, really. That's true. And I don't, I don't think they, there was a relationship between these two more than more of a wingman, 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 wing girl thing between the two of them. Like they were too good of friends to like ever like you know cross that threshold. Yeah, yeah, I could see but, that. Yeah, well, I, I, I don't think were supposed to be smoke. Yeah, uh, the attraction thing with her and Oliver. Well, I think it's more on her side than it than it is on his. Mainly because yeah. again, Oliver is so focused on his mission, like he. Yeah. Although that may change when she finds out. Yeah, but again, Oliver. Yeah. Okay. Oh, you you didn't know is that, she Dan? Find out. Yep. Okay. See, Michael, you're spoiling things. I assume she was going to. You're spoiling things for Dan. You have failed this podcast. I'm sorry. Do you listeners know that these things are going to happen? I just want to make yes. sure. They know. Okay, so they're aware. Of this. Well, we talked about it last week. Okay. Uh, I haven't well, listened to last week's episode. I apologize, guys. We're, we're, we're betting a thousand on this episode, aren't we, guys? We're betting a thousand. Yeah. We're doing so well. Over um, 9,000. Well, we do have... Uh, Two other podcasts that we do on this show, but but, but going back to my kind of haul for just a little bit, I told this to Michael on the phone. I love that um, Quentin Lance has to take orders from a woman now. I just love. Yeah. I mean, after after she told him off at the beginning, I literally thought to myself, "Ha ha! You have to take orders from a girl now." Ha ha. <laughs> and the what he gets for like stalking his own daughter. And the look on his face pretty much tells you that's what he's thinking. I cannot believe I'm taking orders from orders from a from a woman. He kind of puts down women quite a bit. Who he probably helped that's train too. <laughs> Who he probably helped yeah. train too. Like it's one thing to like take orders from like a person younger than you, but when you help them get the job in the first place. 
And Michael, you said that this character might get a longer, uh, an extended stay, which I hope so, because I really want her to yeah, be like. Yeah, what it sounds like, she's staying for a while and may be a love interest for Malibur, from what I've read. So. Well, they need someone to kind of balance out uh, Detective Lance. Because he's yeah, we, yeah. We need a good cop. Rash. We already have we already have a bad cop on the show. We need a good cop and one that looks good. One that looks good in his but suit. But I did like his other partner though. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah, but really, does that guy have a character? They got rid other... of all the black characters except Diggle. Go. They got rid of Joanna. They got rid of Hilton. Yeah. Oh, it's man, like Walking Dead, where they just keep killing off the bad guy. What happened to the the Spanish? Okay, I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna hang up now, uh, so I'm gonna go with the NAACP. <laughs> <laughs> the racist. We did see Walking Dead. I'm not being racist. I'm just saying. He's still there. On the phone. Look at that picture of the phone last week's episode, wasn't it? Oh yeah. I don't. I don't know. I don't know. I don't. I don't know. I don't know where this podcast is going anymore. Um, (laughs) We mentioned we're on vertigo. That's why it's all over the place. Uh There we go. It makes it all makes perfect sense. Well, Felicity and the well, we'll 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 just talk about this now. The next thing is Felicity in the book. We kind of mentioned this in previous podcasts, and even Diggle and Oliver both say, like, even during that scene where they give Felicity the syringe. I mean, come on! Even when Oliver like finished saying that, he knew how bad that excuse was. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and it's a good thing that she's going to find out because yeah. otherwise she may go to the wrong people about his identity. Yeah. And honest, and honestly, and they've not mentioned this on the series yet, but the way this actress is playing it, I think it's perfect. She probably feels really guilty that she, in a way she might have gotten Walter killed. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because Especially if, with the book, which is why she would be giving it to Oliver. Yeah. Yeah. And Oliver's thinking. And Oliver's thinking this. Hold on. Wow, this is much better than my book. This is much better than my. <laughs> yeah, it's much better. Shape. Yeah, it's a much better. Shape. You know, my mom must have had this. Is this a first edition? Is this a first edition? My God. Hmm. <laughs> no, but the but the look Sorry, on Oliver's the look on Oliver's face when he gets the book at the end of the episode, I was like, oh my God. What is he gonna do to Moira? Well, he's mad because he did kind of stick up for her in this episode. Well, like and he told oh, Thea, and, you know, my dad, dad's the bad guy, Bob's fine, and now he was wrong. And, well, and like you said in last week's episode, he can be wrong. The list can't. Right. He can as much as he wants. The and list just can't. And Oliver's already had his faith shaken already, just be, just because of like what happened at the in the episode at year's end. Because before that, like he had a very clear idea of what he was doing and who he was doing this for. Now he doesn't. Now he doesn't know. And now he doesn't know which way to turn. Which ultimately, I think, is gonna make Speedy and Oliver closer together. Because honestly. 
they're the only two people they can trust right now. Not well, yeah, and ultimately, if he is twisting and turning and doesn't know who to trust, he can't turn to his father, who gave him the list in the first place, because he's dead. Yeah. And, so he only has and, Diggle, Felicity, or Thea. And, and, I, and, I need to make clear, and I need to make this clear. Um, Robert never gave Oliver the list. Right. Oliver found it he, off his dead body. Right. And then says he found, he found a book. letter or something later. Yeah. And we don't really even know what Oliver. We just found out seed in the flashback yet. And we didn't. And we don't really even know what Robert meant by by fix the city, do we? Not yet, but I have a feeling that Oliver left that island at some point and found out. And I have to believe that where he's going on foot on this island is going to lead to the Russians, because they mentioned it so much in this episode. Yeah. Yeah, we're yeah. going to find out how he can speak Russian and what is his um, relationship with the Russian brother, as they call it. I love the um, mechanic, by the way. Yeah. yeah. He's awesome. Because, yeah, the guy that looks like Dr. Evil, if he had too many Twinkies, yeah. yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, the, whole, the whole Oliver on... I love that part with Diggle. What are you going to yeah. teach me how to do that? Never. With the sleeper hole thing? Yeah. Yeah. And by, and by the way, like I've said on the podcast before, that is an actual legit choke chokehold that you can put on somebody. I don't know if that little, like, re, what, I, what I call the reverse Vulcan neck pinch can actually work. But no, that my friends are in MMA and they've actually taught me that move. You don't want to mess around with that reverse. Have uh, you the, done it? Choke. I have done it, and you know I don't want to put it on somebody smaller or weaker than me. I mean, as in weaker, I don't mean like thin neck. Just because if I if I put it, I've been taught how to put it on enough. I put it on you, but the right way, I could accidentally kill someone. Woo! If we ever meet up, you have to give me that. No. No. Like Oliver <laughs> to find another host for the show. Yeah, well, Lewis Jones, you've got his number. <laughs> yeah. He's okay. Oh, this was actually what Dan said about the Russian mob actually leads into all, all, Oliver meeting the count and the vertigo thing in the in our rundown. I have to say, I I really didn't. I thought the using of the Russian mob was a little contrived, and I thought the meeting was a little contrived, but. I loved that the reason why um, the Count knocks out Oliver with Vertigo is because he doesn't want any... I mean, he's very much like Scarecrow in the sense of he doesn't want anybody to track him, and that means he needs to take out... Yeah, he doesn't want loose ends. Yeah, he doesn't want loose ends. Um, I have to say this for Andy Babak's benefit, because he said this on uh, off microphone when we were doing our podcast yesterday. He came up with this. So this is for you, Andy. Hold on. This happened. This happened while I was watching it on TV, and it happened like this. If you're just joining us, Oliver Queen has just been poisoned. Now back to Arrow. Okay. This is awesome. <laughs> I wish I played during the episode yeah. in Andy's voice. Yeah, and and really, I 
I really want to know, like, what are those, what are those tea leaves and water and that kind of stuff that Oliver keeps using to cure himself from poison. I just really want to know what those things are. I know it's not really important. I have a feeling. No, I I think it is kind of important because I have a feeling that Slade Wilson or Yao Fei would have taught him that on the island. Yeah. And I love I love the way they shot that. And I love because that has to be like the hardest thing in the world for a performer to pull off. Like that screaming and looking looking like you're like sick or on on something. Because I have to believe they he had to do that. Stephen Amell had to do that more than once. And I and I bet it's not fun like screaming and yelling. Forty-five minutes. Cookie, cookie. I need blooper reels on the season one DVD. Yeah. Um. And I and this actually leads into the flashbacks. Now I have said this on the on the podcast many many times. Dan's probably not heard it because he apparently he doesn't listen to this podcast. Kidding, kidding. Um, yeah, um, I I'm not I'm not a big as a fan of the flashbacks as my partner is, but in this episode they actually flowed really well together. Cause my problem with the flashbacks for the most part, they 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 take away from the actual episode that they we're actually watching. Yeah, but at the same time, without them, I don't think we'd understand why Oliver is so determined to do what he's doing. If it it's, makes, it's like Batman yes. Begins. You need to understand why. So the full first, or I mean the first half of the movie is his origin. And I think that's kind well, of what this series is. When you add I, up all the minutes I agree. Together, I'm not, I'm not, the origin. I'm not disagreeing. I'm not disagreeing. I'm just saying in a lot of these episodes, they're really contrived putting the flashback in just so that, you know, you just for the sake of having a flashback, I, t- I told a friend of mine, the flashbacks on Arrow are pretty much the equivalent of when Family Guy like cuts away to Conway Twitty. Guy, I don't know if I fully agree with that. Because there's been some episodes that have made some really good transitions, like uh, the episode where he was damaged. in the interrogation room. Yeah, damaged. Uh, yeah, I that- thought last week wasn't half bad. This, the, that episode and the, this episode did it the best, I thought. Because okay. my, other, my other big thing with the flashbacks is they put them in really awkward places. And the last shot we get into before we get into the flashbacks doesn't really match up really well. Like, well, they were done really well in the pilot, too. And the fact and, that they didn't bring them in at all during the Huntress arc was probably a good move. And I think we'll see that again, too. But in this, Do you think but that in they'll this, quit them entirely. That's a no. Not like in a season I think we're two gonna, or three. I, I think, don't I think so. Think we're gonna, I think we're gonna see less and less of them as the series goes on. If it goes I like, I agree with that. Yeah, any, any more? Because how, how much can you actually show of that? Well, like I said, we the show only has the story to last five seasons because we need those five seasons. Five years also, of flashbacks and five years of him hunting the list. 
But here's a logistical thing about it, too. And this is more of like a makeup, like, dress thing. And no, this is not Wu talking about clothes. I don't know why you guys obsess about that. I only mentioned it, like, one or two times. But moving on. Um, Amel's probably going to look... He's probably going to change, like, his facial features or his look. It's going to get harder and harder to, like, you know, go, go back to that as this series progresses, you know? Present-day Oliver can change his look, but it's probably not going to be easy for, like, the makeup and effects crew to make him look still, like, that age in, like, season four if they choose to go, choose to go why, that. And that's why I think they're going to stop. Yeah. After a certain point, after a season that's, two or three. That's what, I, that's what I think, too. But I really, but I really love the, the, um... These flashbacks, even though, like, during the fight scenes, I was thinking, are we watching Robin Hood Men in Tights? Okay. <laughs> well, Yalfe beating on Oliver was brutal. Yeah. Yeah. And we really got to see... Because we came to trust this guy. Yeah, and we really get to see what the organization is like. I was thinking we're either in the, de the Den of the League of Shadows or the Foot Soldier Training Camp. Either one of the two. It's my... It's millennium for those people who got that reference. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I was, and I was I was really expecting Liam Neeson to show up in this episode as well. You say that every episode. Well, I think you just hope he shows up in one episode someday. Okay. <laughs> I think everybody wants to show of hands to anybody that doesn't want that. I know this is audio, but it doesn't matter. Anyone? I, Anyone? You know, my, my issue with that is they're taking too much from Batman already. If you bring in Ross al Ghul, I don't think it would work. I, I mean, I think you could make it work story-wise, but I don't think it makes sense. Yeah, I know. Plus, it's too soon after yeah. Dark Knight Rises. Yeah, but I want to. But I really like well, that. I have a crazy theory, though. Okay, here's... Do you want me to throw it out there? Up. Crackpot theories on this. This is ridiculous. Do you know how they're going to come out with the Justice League movie? Yeah. Well, we're thinking that this coal conspiracy is intergang. And then that's going to be set up for Stephen Amell as Oliver Queen playing in the Justice League movie. Or at least Justice League 2. And we I know think it's the ridiculous. whole point of Amazon is so that they don't have to do a Wonder Woman movie and they can just introduce her in JLA. If they ever and get then obviously Man of Steel being a precursor. If they ever if they ever get, if they ever get Wonder Woman on anything. Absolutely. But right. I mean we also have evidence like the action figures that have been released for Man of Steel. Zod is wearing an Omega symbol on his chest. Like Dark Side. So obviously this film is going to tie into Justice League somehow. But here's the thing about and this. Arrow would work so well in that universe. But here's the thing about this, and I, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm just like my, my brain hurts already from what I'm already doing in my day to day life. Is there already? I'm just, I'm just putting Justice League on the back burner right now. I'm just putting Justice League on the back burner. Yeah, we are too. But I, we feel like that this is going to be their answer. Or DC's answer to competing with Shield. 
Yeah, but here's a here's a here's a good way of competing with Marvel DC. Hold on, wait for it. Don't try to copy Marvel. Do the exact opposite of what they're doing. If Marvel's doing one thing, you do something different. Well, I think that's why they're doing Justice League before doing regular solo. That's movies. not different. That's just copying what is already established. No, it's pop- not. Doing it's something different. Do, doing something They're different. The TV show before the movie. My not point ever. is, my point is, doing something different would just be okay. Let's do some great movies and not worry about. Let's do a Justice League movie. Yeah, but why couldn't they just do the Justice League movie first, and if the characters do well, do solo movies after that? I don't know that's, why. Uh, that's the exact opposite of what Marvel did. I don't they know. Wrote why, off the success why, of the I don't have, movies. I don't. Frogs have wings. Uh, uh, I can't tell you why. I'm just. I'm just saying. Don't. Don't do. The only reason they're doing Justice League, and I've never voices to anybody. The only reason they're doing Justice League is because Avengers did really well. If Avengers didn't oh, do absolutely. well, yeah. there, would, there would be no Justice League. That's. That's why I'm not on board with Justice League. Because really, they're uh, they're just the equivalent of a little kid saying, "Whoa, he got a he got a Tonka truck. I'm just gonna get a bigger Tonka truck and see if I can do better than him." But what if Justice League turns out to be better than the Avengers? Yeah, I'll, I'll it's, it's a high it's a high chance because I feel like it's gonna be rushed. Oh, yes. I know. But if they connect yes. it to some of these yes. things, yes, it yes. might not feel yes. as rushed. And really, well, I think if Man of Steel does well, Justice League has a better chance of doing well. Yeah, yeah, but but again, Justice League has. A, let me put this in perspective, and then we'll get back to Arrow for just a bit. Sorry, we're going off on tangents for our viewers. I need to apologize for that. Um, we all thought Superman Returns was going to be the relaunch, and maybe the. The Justice League thing back in 2006. Look how that one turned out. I, did. I didn't know it was going to be a Justice League thing. I didn't either. I know we thought it was going to be a big thing for DC to get on the map. I remember, I, re- I, remember, I remember hearing in the grapevine that they were going to try to link Superman and Batman Begins together and maybe do like a, maybe do like a world's finest thing and maybe into yes. Justice League. Yeah. That was a theory. Yes, well, they, they planned to do that for yeah. the longest time, and it fell through, unfortunately. Yeah, and I'm because just, of Nolan and, doing Dark Knight. And with this thing, I'm just saying the same thing. Man of Steel has not come out yet. Let's see how Man of Steel does. Oh, I agree with you. I agree with you on that. I'm just saying, if Man of Steel works, you know, Arrow might be a good way to introduce or bring in another familiar character or another successful character. Get to the Justice League movie. Yeah, and, I, and I'm saying this is a really crazy theory. It's very unlikely it's going to happen, but it's just an idea. But it should. Yeah. But, but, again, but, but again, like, if, you, if any three of us were running DC, I think all three of us would run it completely differently. Oh, I agree with that. Yeah. Just based on what the knowledge I have, that's the best idea for them. Oh, oh! I'm not, I'm not. I'm not saying your idea is bad. I'm just. Justice I'm just League would come out. 
until a couple of years down the road, not 2015. Yeah. I think I'm there needs to be more time till that. Uh, honestly, I think, and I'm not disregarding anything you're saying, Dan. I see your validity in it. But here's the thing that I'm saying. I think DC is doing the right thing right now by just scrapping all potential projects and just focusing on the ones they have right now. But they're not because they're canceling some of their strong projects that they have on Cartoon Network right now. But again... And, and is, they put off Amazon. Because they're really trying to like reorganize themselves because it looks like a jumbled mess. And it is a jumbled mess. The Amazon wasn't more a jumbled time mess. to be good, I accept that. But if it's not going to happen at all, that's not cool. Well, yeah, and well, Justice yeah. and Green Lantern were only canceled because their target audience wasn't watching it. But the, the ratings were successful scary. and strong every episode. Well, yeah, I mean, but honestly, and this is becoming a whole DC, the whole DC ran. And uh, once again, I, I, I don't know why I'm being the moderator here, but like, <laughs> because I, I really, I really want, at this point, I really want D Disney just to buy up DC. Because really, the, like, Disney's whole thing about buying properties, we own the rights to the names. We don't want anything to do with the creative because we don't know anything about that. Warner Brothers won't say that to DC, unfortunately. And I think that's a problem. But Marvel's been going to crap with their plot lines <laughs> in the comics right now. Well, that's due to the, well, that's, well, that's due to the writers. That's not due to like the bigger companies saying no, you can't do that. How many times have we? The only heard? thing Marvel is succeeding at is movies. Well, and their animation is terrible, even finish, with Disney on board. Let me finish. Let me finish. Let me finish here. Just one second. Let me finish. I'm not. I'm not saying that the product is good. I did not say that the product is good. I'm just saying Disney has the foresight to say we don't know anything about that stuff. You think it would be any better if Disney writers were actually writing the animated stuff? Oh no! <laughs> exactly. I'm just uh, saying. Well, if Pixar's writers were involved, I but, have a little more confidence in that. But no, 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 like no. Brad I'm, yes. All, all I'm saying, all I'm saying, is I wish Mark, Warner Brothers was smart enough to say, was smart enough to say, we don't know anything about comic books, guys. You have total control over the creative we just want to distribute doesn't mean any of the stuff is going to be good it did not say anything all that stuff is going to be good but warner brothers wants to like have their hands in everything and it's not working the, the writers are warner brothers is way too greedy yeah, yeah. disney is uh, has always been more open to filmmakers and their dreams yeah and which is why what, the cinematic universe does so well and that's my point. That's my point in all this. Like Disney, I will give Disney. I, I'll, I I'm not a huge Disney fan as far, far as the corporate goes. I'm not gonna go into details. I don't want to say anything slanderous. But at least they know. The bottom line here is to make money, and we don't know anything about comic books. You guys do. Just give us content. Doesn't mean. Doesn't mean yeah, the content. I agree with you. Yeah. Doesn't and mean that's the content why they need is to good. These people. That have produced good content for them to to do stuff and be involved in these movie projects. Yeah, you know, Jeff Jobs needs to be there. Bruce Timm needs to be there. These guys here at Arrow 
are pretty doing a pretty good job right now improving themselves. And I think if they get a season two, give them an opportunity to bring them in. And that's I also my think point. they should approach writers on Smallville. And that's my and point. And use them and use these people. And that's my and, point. And, and, and I, I agree with you. Warner Brothers needs to get things out, their hands out of things. But they and also really, need to hire the right people. Can know um, how to combine the right people to make this happen. And really, it's because... And ultimately, ultimately... Warner Brothers big pro and if nothing else, Warner Brothers is consistent with this. They 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 have like this like almost like insecurity thing of no 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 we own this stuff. We'll tell you what to write. Right. Here's a good parallel. I buy Ford Motor Company, right? I don't know anything about cars. I'm gonna tell these guys how to make cars. Yeah, I no, I know. Well, I understand what you're saying, and I agree with what you're yeah. saying. Yeah, that's, that's, we're just saying that we wish everything would be connected in all media, comics, movies, TV, animation. That was our theory. I think that's where it's going, and I think that's the most effective media marketing model right now. Yeah, and and honestly, like, and and truth be told, on honestly, like, they, they don't. Like the heads of production really think fans are stupid, and we won't, we won't understand continuity, and we, we won't understand things if they are interconnected. Truth be told, people understand things more when they are interconnected than not. Well, and, tr yeah. and the Marvel Cinematic Universe is uh, evidence of that. But what? How much you want to bet when Man of Steel comes out or out? I cannot speak tonight. People will be wondering where Brandon Ruth is because of Superman Returns. Well, part of this too is I the think internet. I'm looking for Christopher Reeve again. Part of this too is the yeah. internet community. Part of this too, and we haven't mentioned this, and we'll get back to Arrow in a sec, guys. But part of the part of this part of the thing that we haven't mentioned too is the internet community at large. And I know, and I know we're calling the it's like the pot calling the kettle black. But the internet community like spreads rumors like every five minutes or even less about these things. Right. And nine times out of ten, none of them are true. That confuses audiences more than like the connected or not connected universe. Because stories break and whether they're tr true or not, you know, that, you know, that's right. what causes the confusion more for fans than anything else. And I know being on a podcast that's kind of being like, you know, you know, kind of high and mighty or, you know, hypocritical but it's really the truth i mean i'm just stating fact i'm not trying to point fingers at anybody but the internet has really like ruined that in terms of like the creative process if i can't tell you how many people thought that uh, johnny depp was going to be the riddler in the dark knight rises or that the riddler was going to be in the dark knight or the riddler was going to be in the dark knight rises at all yeah if it's not confirmed by the studios, the writers, or the directors, and even sometimes the actors, it's not true. And here's the almost here's the, of the time. Here's the Achilles heel to all that. Like to the fans reading the boards, they 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 um prescribe to the tried and true thing. If it's written down, it has to be true. Right. Yeah. 
Yeah. If it's yeah. on the, it's like that commercial. If it's on the internet, it has to be true. By, and it really is a French bottle. Bonjour. Yeah. Well, it, truth be told, I, we will get back to Arrow. I'm just saying, like, I'm, I'm, re- I'm really disappointed. The, the anger you may hear in my voice is from a disappointed fan's perspective. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Give but will, would would you have an issue though, if Arrow and the movies and even Amazon were all interconnected? No, I would not. But but make it make sense and really devote yourself. And they and they, oh yeah, absolutely. And they and, and that's what I want to see. I don't want to see them do it badly. And and see and see that is why I don't question Marvel because they've done it. They've done it and they've done it so well. I, I'm not questioning, you know, X-Men meeting up with the, their future selves or their past selves on screen. Yeah, like, and as I'm saying, I don't question the movies. I, I question their decisions they're making in their comics right now. Yeah. But the, the, these two companies, Marvel's and DC, there's one aspect they still haven't gotten right. Yeah. And DC but, is their films and Marvel is their comics. Can I can I just sum it up? Can I just can I just sum it up with just this one sentence? And this apply. Mm-hmm. I've heard this said in pro wrestling, but it really apply, apply, applies here too. Marvel and DC are their own worst enemies. Comic book companies yes. are really their own. They create a lot of their own issues. No pun intended. They really do create a lot of their own issues. As much as oh, success as they yeah. success as they have, I mean, it can be said for almost any company, but in this sense, in comic books, like in these comic book companies, they create their own issues. Everything that they, all their issues that they've created, they really bring onto themselves. And I'm not, and I'm not hating. I'm just like being like ob- like objective. Yeah, I'm being very objective. Everything that we've said for about like five, six, seven minutes on this can be, like, that can be bottom line here. Yeah. Like, like, these comic book companies create their own issues. And that's why we as comic book fans, not comic book movie fans, I mean, maybe we need to do a podcast about the difference between comic book fans and comic movie fans. At some point. Well, I think we are comic book movie fans too. I think that but there is a comic book fans. There is a division. But there's a difference between whether you're a, just a movie fan of comic book movies and if you're a fan of both. We are all fans of both. Most yeah. people are just movies. Yeah, and well, let's get back to Arrow, but that's what all I wanted to say. These comic book companies really make their own issues. They really create their own problems. And really, if they looked at this from, like, an objective sense, because all, because all these guys really want their names on these projects, good or bad. And that's where, the, that's where all these issues come up. They all want their names on this, yeah. and they all want to take credit for it. Whether it really succeeds or not, they all want to take credit for it. Yeah. Except for yeah. the writers of Green Lantern, who yeah. just take credit for Arrow. Yeah, and and really, and really for this, it really hurts the creative. It really hurts, you know, the product. 
if everybody wants to take credit for something, it's ultimately going to hurt the product because people's egos get in and that seeps into what you're creating. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. But, but. So back to Arrow. Yeah. Getting back to, getting back to the, getting back to Arrow. Um, Really, really, like if you saw the episode, bottom line, guys, I know this was supposed to be more of a review episode. Um, this, this was kind of a spur of the moment kind of thing. Um, but, but really, if you saw the episode, it was really cut and dry. I like Speedy working, working at like the legal office. I really, I really enjoyed the setup of the Arrow family. I really liked, you know, the use of. Felicity Smoke and McKenna Hall. Ultimate. And here's something I wanted to talk about since we have like a lot of time still. And this might go into a little bit of a conspiracy theory here. And I told this to Michael on the phone. I'm really thinking Quinn Lance is going to get to a point where he either quits or gets fired just to go after Green Arrow. And then does it on his own it's and possible. gets killed because of it? Yeah, because quite honestly, like, and you, and this is a credit to the actor that plays that. that the actor that plays Quentin Lance. Ultimately, he's losing his cool. He's everything that he believes in. Green Arrow has proven it's wrong, and he does it better. Mm-hmm. And that, and that really, yeah. and really, if. Ultimately, he's going to think the only way to to exact justice on Green Arrow. Because I'm really thinking Quinn Lance is going to figure out, even before Dinah does, that Oliver Queen and Green Arrow are one and the same. But don't you think he'll die very quickly after that? No, no, no. I'm thinking that after finding that out, he he's going to want to kill Oliver. And ultimately, his his journey to that is going to... Get him killed by somebody, not Oliver, by somebody. Chinese triad. Some- well, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I'm no, no. I'm pretty. I was done. Go ahead. I was just gonna say I. I I don't know how I feel about his death, because I feel if he has to die, it has to be like Jimmy Olsen on Smallville, where he finds out helps Oliver because he realizes it's for the greater good and then is killed because of it. I thought a better example would be, if you guys have seen it, is Captain Stacy to the Amazing Spider-Man. Yeah, that's what we've been um, saying on the show. But you know what, guys? That has been done so many times that I would actually want to see something like that that doesn't happen. Like, that it doesn't happen like that. Wouldn't you like it to be something that you weren't expecting in t- terms of this? I would. I would actually like Detective Lance to well, die and get shot. The only thing and- is, is that Laurel's motive, Laurel's motivation in becoming Black Canary was to avenge your father. And I feel like he has to be a good man or show some sort of good in him before he dies to inspire Laurel to do that. But honestly, if he goes down as a rogue police officer, that's not good. But here's the thing: I want Laurel's morals to be shaken more than anything else. 
But then why would she avenge her father if you're still a bad guy? Well, well, well why, why does she, she have to avenge her father? I mean, I'm trying to think out of the box here. Why does it have to... I mean, her and her dad... She doesn't, but what other reason would there be for her to become Revenge. Black Canary? Revenge? Against what? Against injustice? Well, well, here's the thing. I don't want it to just be my dad. How? Because I think it's very. It's almost cliched. What is cliched? My dad died, so I have to honor his memory by being this person. Can it? Can it just be like? Can it just be like everything's tumbling around me, not just my dad's death? And well, I mean, that could be a combination of things, but I think that needs to help trigger it. Well, yeah. here's I want. Well, first of all, part of my problem is. Ooh, it's not about what you want. No, I'm kidding. You can't handle the truth. Oh, really? Really? If if I didn't have a governor on me, you would hear the truth right now. Do, 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 do not, like I said, do not give me a live microphone because you don't know what's going to come out of my mouth. But ser but seriously. I don't want it to just be a a con. Here's my problem with Dinah's character. She doesn't really have one. Not yet. At this point, she really doesn't have one. I would really it's, it's like getting there. Not quick enough for me. Well, do you? But things are being put in place for it to happen. I think Thea being with her at the law office now. Absolutely, absolutely. But here's the thing: Quinn Lance is get like getting on my nerves so much that I really just want to see him die. Kind of yeah, like that's the problem. Woo! Now you know how I feel for the first nine episodes. Why? Well, I, I think he has to die as a likable character. Yeah, that's and not the, happening. And really, exactly. The reason I'm laughing is that the writers have given us no indication as to like. That at all, and really, I think this is gonna c come to a head when Dinah and Sarah's mother gets introduced. Cause it, cause, cause we have to. I have it, it. What they, what they blew it on is they could have. I thought they started heading towards him becoming a likable character after he gave Laurel the phone. I told her to hang on to it, and then the next scene we find out he's spying on her. And I'm like, well, so much for that. Yeah, I, my, my exact, my thoughts exactly. And really, with this next episode, I don't know much about this next episode at all. But I really think that Laurel's gonna find out that what her dad actually has done. I think she's really gonna find out, like her dad gave her the phone just so, like, because all, and all, and here's the thing too, like. I really think Laurel is gonna get like critically injured in this next episode. No. Well, here's here's my deal. Not not die. Not die, but sent to the hospital, and it, then she's gonna find out her dad had something to do with it. Cause he's gonna tell her that she, he put her in the line of fire, basically. I can see that. Well, this is my rule of thumb on shows. If we, when we have an episode where the trailer doesn't reveal a whole lot about what's going to happen next week, because there's not a whole lot of information out there, 
come out there the episode next week, something big's gonna happen. Yes, exactly. Something under wraps. Yes, exactly. Oliver turns into Batman. Billy Wilson is coming next week. And that might get Laurel critically injured. But I don't. And I it, think it's flashback stuff, though, with Oliver. And, and it Oliver. could. But but really, but really, with Laurel, I really think something, like really something bad's gonna happen to her, and it's gonna be her dad's fault. And that and that's why her and Sarah's mother come back. Because why else would is you that possible back? that that could be her motivation towards becoming Black Canary? Well, to kind I, of like smite her father. Probably, or just not kill him, mother, just defeat him. And her mother trained no, to rebel. And really, I was thinking about this while I was watching the episode. This is this is Dan, Michael, and Wu's conspiracy hour. Not Longbow Hunters, guys. Um, <laughs> I'm really, I'm really thinking with the introduction of Dinah, Dinah, and Sarah's mother that that Dinah's really going to gravitate to her mother more than to her father. And her mother's going to train her into being Black Canary. I don't really, know how I feel, though, about her being Black Canary. She doesn't look like Black Canary to me. Or even when she was younger, she didn't look like she could be Black Canary. But here's, the, here's the thing with... Here's the thing with... With... With with Dinah with Dinah's character, Quinn always doted over Sarah, and I have to I have to ass, I have to assume that that his wife didn't really have a problem with that, but it she did see what it did to Dinah, that and yeah. now that now that she could be critically injured because of Quentin, I think it would probably drive a wedge more into, like, those two relationships, Quentin and Dinah, and bring mother and daughter closer together. Yes, yeah. I agree with that. And with, I'm also and curious to see what the mother thinks of Oliver as well. Yeah. Because really and truly... Quinn's doing all of this for selfish reasons. There's no, there's nothing, there's nothing good he's doing. It may good That's look, true. look, it may look good on paper, like in the in the episode when um, Green Arrow drugs Vertigo, Vertigo. He says, he, look at the look on his face. He's salivating, like at the idea of shooting Green Arrow. It's like, give me a reason. Come on, give me a reason. Give me a reason. Give me a reason. Yeah. Like, and when he when he lets Vertigo go, and he has that great look on his face, like he always does in these episodes. I almost had him. I almost had him. And, next and, time, and, Arrow. I'll get you next time. And really, I mean, and this is a credit to the actor because. Of why I don't really like Quinn Lance. That's a that's a sign of a good performer. Like to make somebody, if you're easy to easy to dislike, you're a good performer. Or you're terrible. No, but uh, if you're easy to dislike, you're you're a great actor. Because here's the here's the thing about Quinn Lance. He's just looking for a reason to get his revenge. 
even with the conversation between Dinah and Quentin about Thea, like, he doesn't care who it is. It could be Walter Steele for all he cares. As long as he hurts the queens, he's happy. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it could be Walter. Well, did a, uh, appeal to him a little bit. Well, I mean, yeah, with Thea. Yeah, but that, but that's the, the that's the thing though. He makes it very clear. He makes it very clear. Like even when he was like at the door with Oliver in the one episode, like warning Oliver, he only did it just to because it was the professional thing to do. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. But I do think it needs to be indicated that Quentin is still a better person than, let's say, the Dark Archer or Malcolm Burley. Yeah, but yeah, but not yeah, but not by much. I mean, he's yeah, right, exactly. He's but skating that line, but it's unfinished with him. Difference. I think he has to redeem himself before he dies. If he doesn't, I'm not going to really care about his death. But honestly, truth be told, what does Quentin need to redeem? He hasn't really done anything yet. He's gotten close to it. Except acting. Like well, he might tool. soon. Yeah, I was just well, going to no, say. No, no, he has to redeem himself for doing what he did to Laurel. Yeah, by spying on her. Which we know is going to lead to something worse. And it could ultimately lead. Here's a crackpot theory for you. And it's not really a crackpot theory. What if him listening in on Laurel's conversation with the Green Arrow ultimately leads Malcolm Merlin to find out who the Green Arrow actually is? Ooh. That would be interesting, but the thing is, Lance would find out first then. But here's the thing. It doesn't matter who, who gets it first. Ultimately, if Malcolm Merlin finds out who the Green Arrow actually is because of this bug phone? That's true. That could, and then, and that then could, that's... Well, I'm thinking that's how Lance could redeem himself. Is yes, he finds out, and he goes to go after him, and then he finds out that Malcolm Merlin knows too and is after him too. And that's how he ends up getting killed by Malcolm Merlin. Yeah, I, I have to. I have to. I have to assume. I have to assume that if that happens the way I'm thinking it, oh, like Quinn's gonna go in between a Black Arrow and the Black Arrow and Auburn, that ultimately kills him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But really. But I think an attempt will be made to defeat. Like he'll help in defeating the Dark Archer in the end. Like just before he dies. Um, I, I just think that's the way it's going to go. But but He's here's the shout out at him at least. But here's yeah, sh- shout out I'm, at him and realize that Oliver's needed to defeat the Dark Archer. Here's the thing that I'm wondering though. At this point, and we're all looking at who's gonna. I mean, ultimately, we've all said it on this podcast and in others. Who's gonna die first? Ultimately, like how can Quentin Lance, Malcolm Merlin, and Moira Queen all survive this season? Somebody's, somebody's got to die. Somebody's going to have to, like, bite the dust. And ultimately, I'm thinking it's either going to be Quentin Lance, Moira, or Walter, or Moira and Walter. 
I yeah. See, I I think Mora or Walter. I don't think Lance will. Die I this think season. Walter's going to stick around as a father figure to the group. Well, I hope Walter actually, but, but actually don't, don't does don't function the same way. But here's the thing: I this is my this is Michael rubbing off rubbing off on me a little bit. This is Michael rubbing his influence rubbing off oh. on me. A I really want Oliver, if he is the main character, to take a main character role and not just being the Green Arrow, but Oliver Queen we know from the comics. I want him to... The political activist. I I want him to be Thea's Thea's dad. I want him to be Roy's dad. I want him to be the husband to Dinah that he's going to be. Because ultimately... And I think that's going to be season two. Because I think for that to happen, Moira needs to get all the way. Yeah. And ultimately, Moira has to pay for her sins. Because ultimately, and yes, Robert was involved. All the bad things that are happening this season are Moira's fault. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and also, Wu, going off of what you're saying about Oliver, I think one of the only ways he can do that, besides the deaths of... um, Mora or Walter, or at least the disappearances of them, is I think, and I hate to say this, something may have to happen to Diggle. No, no, no. I think he does. Diggle I, needs to be injured. Character though. Diggle needs to be injured. Not die. Not die. I think what Michael's saying. Diggle needs to be critically injured. Not die I think he necessarily. Needs to be put in a place where he can't influence Oliver, so Oliver has to be the one to influence everyone else. Yeah. I think well, Oliver needs to be that leader, yeah. and for that to happen, something has to happen to Diggle for him to take charge. Yeah, but I hope I hope I could see it working, but I hope I hope that's not the case because ultimately the show's not in a place for that yet. Oh, I know. I'm just yeah, saying down yeah. the road. And I don't want anything to happen to Diggle. Moira and Walter are pretty much the equivalent of Jonathan and Martha Kent in the later seasons of Swallow. But in this sense, it's happened a lot quicker for them. To the point where I don't really see the need for Walter. I don't really... Well, the difference to... was in later seasons of Smallville, Clark was finally becoming an adult. And in this, Oliver's already an adult. Yeah. And the other problem what... is that Moira is kind of bad. Martha was good. Same with Jonathan. Yeah. Same so, with Walter. Uh, well, Walter is good. That's why I'm saying I can see Walter come back as a father figure. Because but then I'm there's tra- but then Diggle kind of does the same thing. Yeah. I'm, uh, here's no, my, here's my thing to go back to um, Moira and Oliver because I skated over it for a little bit and I want to go back to that for just a sec. I'm looking at it from Oliver's point of view. How angry must Oliver be at this point? Everything he went through five years. Everything he went through since he's come back. And ultimately to find out his mother is the reason why all this happened. Well, I don't know if she's necessarily a reason, but she's the catalyst but, for it. But is it, don't you think he's going to want to look into evidence and make sure that's really true? I think he just wants answers at this point, Dan. I really think at yeah. this point, I think you're right. He will do what you're saying. But ultimately, first of all, I think he wants answers. Because really and truly, 
he she's the only one that can give him answers. Out of anybody? Right. She's the only one but alive. The is, I think Diggle I can hear Diggle say, Oliver, slow down. You know, make sure we know what's going on here. And, and, and make sure you don't completely like alienate her so she doesn't shut up completely. Which is his version of Jonathan Kent saying, listen to your mother, son. Listen to your mother. Yes. Because <laughs> that's basically all he does like for the last five episodes in terms of dialogue. But hey, but anyway, like, I, I'm really thinking that because one, th- one scene I really wanted to talk about was the Thea and Oliver scene when Oliver pretty much tells Thea, I'm using air quotes here, ding, ding, the truth about Robert Queen. Because really, some of that was a lie, but the majority of what he said was the truth. Yeah. But and I, she I, needed to hear it. She needed to be close to her mother because she only has one mother. She has two fathers at this point because of Walter, and now they're both gone. What? She needs that mother And figure. she's not going to have a mother, too. That That's why Laurel, that's why Laurel's going to die. So Laurel yeah. could have that part. And really... Right, to be that and, mother figure. And yes, she's been manipulated, but Moira has lied to her, to her children, which is probably why um, Speedy is going to be closer to Laurel, because at this point, Laurel's not lied to her at all. That's probably why when Moira right. does die, she's already going to be close to, close to her. Well, and neither is Oliver to, to that degree. Yeah. He's never lied to her either. He just didn't know this, what was going on. Because at this point, like, okay, Speedy can look over the fact that my brother's Green Arrow. Because he he needed to be that. She can look past that. Because ultimately, he didn't do it to hurt her. I think she's going to think it's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, ultimately, ultimately, yeah. And really, really and truly, and we haven't talked about this at all. This sounds more like a season recap episode than uh, talking about a discussion, but whatever. We haven't, we haven't talked about Tommy at all. With all this growth. With Tommy the had nothing to do, though. But here's the thing. You didn't the really have anything that, to do with this episode. But here's the thing. In this episode, though, with the growth of the, of the family, I'm going to use that as the term, the family of Thea, Diggle, Oliver, Dinah, with all that going on, who's left out in the cold? Tommy. Felicity and Tommy. Yeah. Not Felicity, Felic- no. She wasn't included in Woo's Roundup. Uh, well, oh, yeah. Woo's Roundup. Thank, thank, thank you for pointing Don't that out. Just moderator for the debate. No, I'm I'm just saying. I know I know what you mean. I'm just making fun of you. But like, who's left out in the cold here in terms of Oliver's inner circle? Tommy is the one that's going to be left out, and ultimately, that's going to bite Oliver in the rear end later on. Maybe not this season. I don't think it won't be much for Oliver's um, trying, because I think he'll try and be close to Tommy because he is his best friend, especially with this business they're doing. But I think whatever happens between Laurel and Tommy will affect Oliver and Tommy. Especially yeah, and if she I think, leaves him for Oliver. And I think, and I've said this like a couple times on this podcast, and it's the truth. The fact that Laurel loves Oliver more than Oliver loves Laurel at this point is ultimately going to be the first thing of that. And really what Oliver's doing on on the surface in terms of just the surface there. 
Hang on here for just a sec. Just on the surface, he's not doing any of this stuff with Laurel intentionally. Like, getting close to Laurel, asking yeah. Laurel for favors. Like, but underneath that, we can see them growing closer. Laurel and um, Oliver. And th- well, I mean, he tried in that one episode, yeah. and she pushed away. So he goes, oh, well, I'm just going to go back to my business and focus solely on that. But the, but the exactly. Oliver Queen in, in the comics has never been able to get away from his mission. It's always seemed like he's loved his mission more than Laurel. Or Dad, yeah, and, we say in the comics. And, 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 and really, at this point, that's Laurel's problem. That he yeah. has no he has no problem with this, but she's the one that does. And the, ultimately, I think yeah. that's going to cause a lot of bitterness in Tommy because, because, because he's not going to attack Laurel. He's not going to attack Laurel so much. He's going to attack the p- person that brings these feelings out of Laurel, and it's not him. It's his best friend. And that's not... Yes, right. he kidnaps that's, Laurel to get to Tom, or to Galover. Because that's the thing. Well, what you I know? was thinking is that story arc in, in Longbow Hunters, in the Longbow Hunter arc, um, where, if you guys have read that, where... Uh, Dinah gets, or should we say, Laurel? Which one should I use? Which I either, either one's fine. But, either one's fine. But she gets she gets captured or something by some gangbangers and tortured and beaten. And maybe you could down the road, when Tommy becomes a villain, I think he's going to become. He's the one that's responsible for that. He is the villain of the story. I can see that. Going after. I can accept that. However, if it's done really well. Yeah, and and ultimately to bring this, I I do have a philosophy minor. That's why I keep going to this human emotional stuff here. But stay with me for just a sec. When you're in love with a girl and she doesn't really love you back, who do you hate more, the girl or the guy that she does have feelings for? Yeah, I mean, and that's a that's a, a little really bit of both though. Yeah. But, but, so I think really but, but, they're gonna be put in a position you, where they're both. But in you trouble. can't hit the girl. You can't hit the girl. You can't. You can't. Well, you can but, if you're a villain. No, no, no. Well, I, but, I think he's gonna get crazy, stalker obsessive with Laurel. Yeah, but I see really, that the, the person that you take your rage out on is the person that is the one you're in love with. Who has the affections, and that's and in essence, if you hurt Oliver, you're hurting both. I don't know if I completely agree with that. Because because honestly, villains don't think they're bad. Villains don't think they're bad. So if you hit the, if he goes after Laurel, if he's violent towards Laurel, he can't justify that because morally speaking, it's not right to hit women. But Morally speaking, it, it's not right for him to hit Oliver either. But I think he's going to want Laurel to do things his way. But he can, ju- but he can he justify hitting Oliver because Oliver took Laurel away from him. And then when all, or I mean, then when Laurel tells him that he she left intentionally, there's gonna be an issue. Yeah, then he might. And, Ultimate, ultimately, villains always have to find some moral high ground here. 
Well, and the thing is, too, and I, I know you didn't watch this, and Dan will get this, and some of our listeners may, but on Chuck, and I know you're not a big fan, but just bear with me. Chuck. Okay. Shaw, exactly. The main villain in three, season three was dating uh, Chuck's girlfriend, Sarah, and she left him for Chuck. He beat on Chuck in that season three finale until Chuck beat him back. But when he returned in season five, all he did was beat the living crap out of Sarah just for revenge on her. Yeah. So, I mean, that's where I see it going with Tommy, Laurel, and Oliver. Yeah, but... the, the and, but Like, he's going to blame Oliver for stealing her away, but ultimately it was Laurel's decision to go after Oliver. And that is what's going to change the turn the tables where he's going to start... Tommy's going to start going after Laurel. And see, here's the thing, and the reason we're talking about this so much, guys, is Tommy is... A very interesting character to the point where, like, again, much like most, like, rich guys, they don't think they're worth much other than their money. And I think his hate, his hatred for, for Oliver and for Laurel, to, and I'm going to go to your guys' point, Laurel redeemed him in his eyes. Only, only to find out that that was yeah. a lie. In his point of view, only to find out that's a lie, that wasn't true. You deceived me, and you really wanted him. And the and the fact and the fact is, it's almost kind of a little brother, big brother thing, where Oliver doesn't have to be, doesn't try to be charming. He just is. Where Tommy, and we've seen this early on in the season, where Tommy tries to be, tries to be charming, and he fails miserably. Yeah. Yeah, I think that I think that's part of that go. is your personality in general too. Yeah, and Tommy the fact seems that like he... an addict of being a stalker to Laurel, whereas Oliver's a little more mysterious, which some women are more attracted to. Could could yeah. just just think he keeps popping up everywhere Laurel goes. And, yeah, and Oliver yeah, doesn't mean to do that at all. He even says it. I don't mean to do that. It just you know. It just happens that way. Well, and some of the stuff he's done is because he's needed her for his cause. I mean, of course, deep, She's deep, an deep. Of course, deep, deep, deep down, we see it in his face when he 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 oh, detected or Sergeant Lance, I should say, Sergeant Lance talks about Laurel. He look at the look on his face when he mentions Laurel. Deep down, he does love Laurel. Like, the one person that he loves more than anybody on this planet is Laurel. Right. And, and At this point, because Sarah's gone. And, and that's yeah. where I think that he's going to do that heroic thing before he dies. Yeah. It's going to be for his daughter. We are going to see he loves his daughter. And that's probably what ultimately is going to lead to his death. There will be a factor in it. And hopefully you're seeing him before then. Yes. Speaking of relationships, speaking of relationships, this still relates to Oliver. I, I do like, and I just mentioned, and I just, or I should say, I'm, I saw, I just noticed this while watching the episode, like this episode, with the introduction of McKenna Hall, 
one thing I do like that the writers did bring over, and I'm glad they did, is how bad Oliver is with love relationships. Because that is in the comics, yeah. and I do, and I do love that they brought it here. That's, he he is a ladies' man, but actually keeping a woman around—that's actually a really hard thing for Oliver to do. Just because right. of his- he hasn't had many meaningful ones. The only yeah. ones being Black Canary, Shadow, and in this universe, McKenna Hall. Yeah, he was and basically I- Barney Stetson before he got on the island. No, <laughs> well, and yeah. and really, and. We, I have to mention this too because it's kind of a small thing. But I hope I didn't. I hope I got it on the show, and here it is. Do you guys notice Stephen Amell now that he's on the island more that his voice is changing? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. He doesn't sound very boyish as he did, like, say, in episode, what was it, three or four when Yalfe shot him in the back? Yeah. He's well, he can't anymore. His life has completely changed. He yeah. has to survive. Yeah. And in this episode, I noticed that a lot more. His voice has gotten a lot deeper. Like, the like the whiny boyishness that he first got in, like, episode three or four when he got on the island, that's starting to go away. And, like, and my favorite flashback of this season, other than, other than Legacies, was when he accidentally killed that soldier. Yeah. Because that was, yeah. to me, the first step of Oliver, Oliver Queen, you know, 20-something, you know, drunken playboy into Oliver Queen, the Green Arrow. And and here's one thing I will say, and then we'll get into the digital chapter. If Deadshot comes back, I cannot wait to see Diggle's interaction with Deadshot. Because we know he killed Andy. Yes. yes. Yeah, we know he killed Andy Diggle. But Diggle doesn't know he killed Andy Diggle. No, we don't find out in that episode. He, I he does know. He does know. Uh, remember, in that in that episode after Diggle finds out Oliver's Green Arrow, Diggle says to him, yeah. "Are you telling me you took down Andy's killer?" All right, you're right. Yeah. And and to, and for Dick and for Diggle to find out that this guy's still alive because he put it to bed just be just because. He thought Oliver took him down, but since we mentioned in the news that Deadshot is not actually dead. Uh-huh. Well, and I mean, we have been saying that for a bunch of episodes. Yeah, but... We, are, we, I, I just, we thought that. I just and realized that the other day, I just realized that the other day, what is, like, D- Diggle's reaction going to be when he finds out that his brother's killer is actually still alive? Well, I have a feeling he'll be fighting Deadshot while Oliver fights China White. <laughs> and I would really love There's it. It's gonna be a gunfight. I would really love it if Carly is is the, in that episode too when Deadshot comes back, just to see the man that killed her husband. Well, and I think Diggle will have to come to the point in the episode where he has to decide if he's going to be a killer for the right cause or not. And because of who Diggle is, I don't think he'll take the shot against Deadshot. Regardless yeah, of how he feels but, about him. But to see that turmoil with Diggle, because if there is oh, one, it's gonna be fantastic. Yeah. yeah, and I have to, and I have to think that Deadshot's gonna kill Carly. Crackpot theory. I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to think no, that. No, I don't think so. I, I'm, I no, have. No, because then think, there would be the sun left. Yeah. That's too but depressing. Then, 
But I could see it happening just for the sake of moving it into a darker story. I would, I would have to, I would have to believe that. Yeah. So final two cents on the episode, guys. Well, now, well, quick about that episode. Talk to, do you think Oliver will act as the voice of reason in that episode to Diggle? Probably. Will the reverse the roles? Well, who else could? Well, who else could it be? Well, uh, well, Felicity. If Felicity is in the inner circle, because really her role is to be the voice, uh, the, the innocent voice. I think that's what her role is going to be in the group. If they if they integrate her in the group like they are, like it seems that they're going to, like Diggle and Oliver's all about the mission. But coming from a soldier, Oliver's not gonna Oliver's not gonna take take it to heart as it would coming from an innocent like Felicity Smoke. Right. Yeah. Because so, I. But also, what are your final thoughts on the episode, guys? Because we got to move on. Yeah, we do have to move on. Um. Great episode again. We 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 were we covered an episode. My God. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um. We're overall, vertigo, remember? Best best episode of the season. Five out of five. Nothing really seemed out of place, and even the things that look, seemed a little non sequitur ultimately fit into the episode perfectly. Best episode of the season so far. I, w- I was expecting this to be good, but not as good as we got. Michael? Got No, go to Dan first. Okay, all right. Okay, I guess I'll go next. Okay. I'm going to give it and... a four out of five. It's a good episode, good stuff. I thought we were going to get more from Vertigo. That's my personal preference. Uh, with Seth Gable being on the show, I thought they'd give him a little bit more. But hopefully he'll be back again, get his his character will get flushed out a little more. But if, so that was but, the if they thing. Did, but as far as if they did relationship did. with, as far as developing the characters' relationships, really great episode. They're probably the best step forward. This best steps forward we've got in uh, this season. So that's where I'm at with the episode, Michael. Um, I'm going to be in the middle of you guys, actually. I'll give it a 4.5 out of 5. Because to me, like I said at the beginning of this podcast, this episode was really... I don't want to say like a mid-season finale or mid-season premiere, because I didn't feel it was that. But I felt like it was a bridge getting rid of the things that we haven't liked so far on the show and really bringing plot lines forward that we have actually been caring about and wanted to care about for the longest time but couldn't. So I, I really think it was a bridge episode, and it was awesome that we got the Count in there as well, because he wasn't a vil- he was a villain. I didn't think we were going to see if Malcolm Merlin wasn't him. Yeah. So I was glad that we got to see him, and I really liked his interpretation because he was a lot more interesting on this show than he has been in the past in the comics, in my yeah. opinion. So and that's what they, I thought about it. And so for a great joke on this podcast. To defend Dan's point. I would agree with Dan more if they didn't do what they did with him at the end of the episode. Because what they did with Vertigo, what they did with the Count, they should have done with Floyd Lottie. They should have done with Deadshot. I think that'll give Deadshot, though, more mystery when he comes back and more shock faster. 
Or history versus history. Factors. And we get that reference. Yeah. But um, we're going to go to Twitter's thoughts on this episode real quick, guys. And then we're going to get into the digital comic. Uh, Lauren from TV Ever After said, We need Felicity to be part of Team Arrow now. Is that, is that a thing? Which we're going to get soon, thank now? goodness. Is that a thing now, Team Arrow? I guess so. Yeah. Better than any shipping. Uh, uh, yeah. Jason Andorfer, one of uh, AT's biggest supporters, yes. said, Enjoyable episode. Seth's vertigo is okay. Can't wait for the final version. Crazy, crazy lunatic vertigo. And then he had a question. He goes, Was that quote unquote Wayne base written on the bottom right side of the map? All he got at the end of the flashback. And to be honest, I, I forgot to go back and check before we started. I was going to answer it on the podcast, but I don't Where was know. this? Where was this, Michael, again? He says it's written on the bottom right side of the map Ollie gets at the end of the episode. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think I did see that. I mean... Uh... Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, so there you go, uh, Jason. Wu says he saw it, so... I'll go back and I did check see, in the next I did see Wayne. I don't know if I just saw, like, um, like a name before that, but I did see Wayne. Okay. Um, Jay-Z Koss, our biggest fan, said, Great episode. I've seen Seth Gable and other stuff before. He's a good actor and was very good as the Count. I look forward to his return because I'm sure he will. The end of this episode in the beginning at least, was still bratty. I mean, just listen to her whole plan. I'm going to go to prison on a drug charge and ruin my life to get back at my mother. Yeah, that'll show her. I mean, what the heck, LOL. But she did lighten up at the end once she found out the truth, so it's all good. As always, I can't wait till next week, and hashtag you have failed this podcast. Yeah. One thing about Thea that I didn't mention... And this isn't going to be too long. The reason I think Thea came up with that is because of one thing and one thing only. She's rich. She's rich. She's yeah, never had a job. Like, uh, again, we think it's stupid, yeah. But when you've never had to work for anything, you would react like that. I have met, I, I have known a lot of rich people, and they have come up with some really contrived things just because they don't know the value of money or hardship, just because you know they've never had to work for anything. Well, most most yeah, young rich people, that. anyway. Yeah. Hell, Oliver was like that. We saw in the pilot. Yep. Yes, sir. Yeah. So the All digital. Right. So we're gonna move on, guys. Yep, to the digital comic, like Wu said. Chapter 17, two-minute warning. So in this digital chapter, Tommy and Oliver are at a football game, which turns out to be a cover for Oliver's mission as The Hood. Diggle informs Oliver that, they, or that the man they are looking for has planted a bomb in the stadium. But when Oliver oh. goes to confront the guy who planted the bomb, it turns out that it's actually a suicide bomb. So as he's about to jump off the platform, Oliver has Diggle shut down the bomb remotely, and he saves everyone's lives, including the suicide bomber, and is still able to get back to the game before it's over and catch up with Tommy. With beer. With beer. And, yes. and uh, gambling tickets. 
That sounds like an episode of Smallville. No, you, you know what? It, I don't know. You know what it? You know what it sounded like? You know what it sounded like though? Like it sounded like one of the cheesy like fuck. It sounded like an episode of Human Target. Yeah, but Human Target's good. <laughs> yeah. But here's the thing with that. I really didn't. I had no problem with the suicide bomb. But really, but really, you couldn't put some kind of terrorist in this thing. You had to have like a disgruntled football player. I thought his reasons were a little bit like. The bad side of the Silver Age of comic books. His reasoning. I was okay with it just because of how it turned out and just because this is a comic book show. And like you said, the episode title, quote-unquote, The Huntress Returns, is very comic booky. So why not have the comic books for the show be very comic booky? I guess. It just makes sense to me. I, I I really love the timing of the writers though. I really have to I kinda have to snicker at the timing of this. Yeah, you have a foot you have a football game comic book a couple of days before the Super Bowl. Nice. Exactly, yeah. you know, throwing some promotion there. Yeah, and and, and the I dome. wanna know how Tommy got beer and Felicity did get her wine. And Tommy's broke. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well he's well, well, I mean, honestly, like, it's easier to get beer, generic beer at a football game than it is to get rare wine. That's true. Overpriced beer. No, I... I overpriced beer. <laughs> yes. I really like this chapter, though. I thought it fit really well. Not necessarily parallel to the episode, but I thought it was... A pretty good arrow story. The pace was. I really, could have seen this on screen. The pace. I would have to say the story was a little hokey, but those last couple of panels were. The pace was very good. And don't you think, Wu, that we could have almost had this as the opening to the episode, or and then gone or, right into like an actual episode, or the ending of an episode, let's say. Possibly, I, I don't know. I felt like it was better as a beginning of an episode. Yeah, I think so too. Because it's action right off the bat to get people interested. And really, and they did that in like the first line. season of Lois and Clark, where they had like this really goofy opening. You saw it in season one. They only did it in season one, but like Bo Jackson would play basketball with Clark or something, and then they would go into the opening credits. Oh yeah, I remember that. Yeah, but I mean. <laughs> It works. Yeah, it works for the. You're you're right. You're right. It works for the opening. Um, it sounds like we've been talking for four hours here, guys. Jeez. The, well, there's been a lot of conversation, a lot of talking over each other. There's a little bit of lag on the uh, Skype feed, guys. So if we're talking over each other yeah. a bit, that's the reason. Sorry. Yes, and and also I have to say one last thing about this episode or this night last week on the CW, one of the best nights of television on the CW I've had in a long time. Great episode. Yeah, very good. Uh, great episode. Supernatural kicked butt. Yeah, and I was just gonna say Supernatural was not that the LARPing episode was was. Bad. It wasn't bad. It was very funny. But this one had really good material. Arrow had really good material. Great episode of TV. Great night of TV last Wednesday. And they both moved the plot lines forward yeah. by a lot. Yes. 
Yes, and both had and a black canary. On, cause we say for thoughts on those supernatural, for that supernatural episode, listen to yeah. ATA episode one ten. Yeah, next week's and, supernatural and episode. Yeah, and Michael's on there with the voice spell. And Nico and I discussed it in great detail. So next week's episode of Supernatural looks so hokey. It looks so hokey next week's Supernatural. With the, yeah, the, the Hitler God one. The Hitler. Goblin. Sam's face in that trailer was hilarious. Yeah, it looks like Quentin Tarantino should have directed this episode. Just with the Nazis yeah, know, and the wrestlers. Like house. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, guys. I think that episode's going to be tra- better than the trailer we can see. Yeah, yeah, but we need, but we need Dean Winchester to do speeches at the end of the episodes now. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're gonna wrap this up, guys. So, thank you all for joining us on this episode of Longbow Hunters. Thanks um, for having me, you guys. Yeah, you're welcome. We're well, the boss. We have to. Uh, 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 uh. Oh my. <laughs> anyway, if you'd like to contact us here at Across the Airwaves. You can do that in a variety of ways via the Across Airways Facebook or Google Plus pages. You can also find us on Twitter at either Arrow Podcast, which is the official Longbow Hunters Twitter, or at Across Airwaves, which is the Across the Airwaves Twitter. Yes, sir. You can find Wu and I on our own respected Twitters as well, Wu's being at WSK9002 and mine being at MJPetty7. That is at MJPetty7. Woo, how else can they contact us? They can they can contact us about via via voicemail. What is our voicemail number, sir? I don't have it right in front of me. Oh wait, yes I do. One I lied. Oh go ahead. One seven seven three eight oh nine three three six three. That's one Seven seven three eight zero nine three three six three, and please specify you want to talk. To, you want to talk to Michael and I about arrow and longbow hunters. Yes, nice. and you can also email us at across the airwaves at gmail dot com. That is across the airwaves at gmail dot com. Dan, is there any specific way we can contact you? Because for some reason, you just won't create a Twitter account. Contact me at across the airwaves. Yeah. Or even to, to Dan's credit, when when somebody does mention him on our Facebook or Google Plus, he doesn't he does answer quite often. So yeah, that's good. Yes, that's good. Uh, but before we go, we got to give a special thanks to Christopher Weitrick for designing our Longbow Hunters the Era podcast logo. Thank you very much, Christopher. Again, like I say every week, I asked him to do the project, and he got it done within three hours. A three-hour job. And it turned out a great. three-hour job. And if you'd like to make a few more, contact us. Yes, well. absolutely. No making fun of my face, though, listeners. No making fun of my face in the logo. Or Michael's face. You can make fun of Andy's or face Michael's all you face. want. Yeah. Just going to say. Dan was thinking the same thing. <laughs> so... <laughs> For our favorite and only Across the Airwaves hosts, Nico Reichstag and Andy Babak. I'm your host, Michael J. Petty. And I am some guy on Vertigo and Wu S. Kim. Uploading 
Bloody Mary and a pretzel do sound good. I'm gonna go get those right now. Or, Andy, get those for me right now. Andy, where are you? Quickly, Andy. Come on, Andy. I gotta say goodbye. Yeah. Get the yeah, head Schmidt, executive producer, come across the airway. Yes, and until the next exciting episode of Arrow, unless we don't catch you guys with spoilers, we'll catch you on the airways and see you guys next week. Thank you for joining us, and can't wait for the next episode. Bye, guys. Ha, 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 ha. and welcome to the spoiler section of Longbow Hunters The Arrow Podcast. Unfortunately this week, because of um, issues with Skype, I was not able to do the section with either Lou or Dan. However, I will be doing this section quickly on my own, and I will give you all the information you need to know on the next episode. The CW's official description reads, David Anders, Once Upon a Time, The Vampire Diaries, and I believe Heroes as well, because I believe he was the main villain in Season 2. Guest stars, Cyrus Vanch, a nefarious criminal, is recently released from prison and intends to re-secure his positions as leader of the Underworld. His first step is to take down his biggest opponent in the city, Arrow. Meanwhile, Oliver shows Mora his father's notebook and questions her about the names on the list. Thea is miserable as she starts her internship with Laurel at the legal office, and Detective Lance makes a deadly mistake that puts Laurel in the crosshairs of Vanch. A lot like what Wu, Dan, and I were talking about with uh, Lance in this episode of Longbow Hunters when we were talking about, supposed to be talking about Vertigo. So it sounds like a lot of the things we were saying before um, are going to be coming true. Now, this episode does guest star David Anders as Cyrus Vanch, like I said before, but it also guest stars Manu Bennett as Slade Wilson, a.k.a. Deathstroke. And we've seen Deathstroke on the island through the flashbacks. He's the, uh, for those of you who aren't comic book fans, he is the guy who has the half black, half yellow mask. And at the beginning in the pilot, you saw that it was on a stake as Oliver had apparently left it there, or so it seems. But it seems like we're going to be seeing Slade Wilson under the mask this time, and he is going to be um, 
starting a friendship with Oliver, I believe, on the island. That's at least what I've heard. But that may not happen until the end of the episode. So, I don't know. We'll see how it goes. But I look forward to this episode a lot. Um, David Anders will be playing Cyrus Branch, like I said. He is described as a ruthless career criminal who has just gotten out of prison after a long time there. Instead of being rehabilitated, he goes right back to doing bad things, which particularly gets Laurel interested in taking him down. When she finds the police can't help, she turns the arrow for help. That is, if they can find him. He's trying to take over the criminal underworld, and he thinks that getting rid of Arrow will definitely get their attention. So, I mean, this episode sounds like a classic Arrow episode. Um, the episode was written by Lana Cho and Beth Schwartz, and directed by Guy Norman B. of Supernatural and um, well, a lot of shows fame. So, it, it sounds promising. It sounds like it's going to be a great episode. Airing February 6th, 2013. And yeah, so you can check out the trailer and the official gallery of images for this episode on GreenArrowTV.com. All our spoilers have always been and always will be brought to you by Craig Byrne from GreenArrowTV.com. So check out his website. It's awesome. And we get a lot of, a lot of neat spoilers, a lot of neat uh, interviews with cast members on that site. And then you can check out his forms there as well to the KSite TV Arrow forms. You can also check out, obviously, the Across Airways forms at acrossairwaves.com slash forms. But, unfortunately, those don't have a whole lot of people yet. So, the more people we can get on those, though, the better. Because that could be a really fun place to geek geek out and just have a good time. So, But, yeah, I guess I've t we've talked everyone's ear off at this point. I mean, Dan Wu and I's conversation... About the Justice League movie, about Lance, about Tommy. A lot of that was very, very heated discussion. So, I'll leave you guys with that. Uh, the episode Betrayal looks really good. And sorry, Andy, I was going to talk Shadow for you. But it looks like we'll just wait till the Betrayal episode, episode 13 of our show. So that we can do that. It, it's just better at this point, especially since Wu isn't with me. So, yep. Thanks, guys, for joining us on this wonderful episode, and thank you, Dan, again, for joining us on such short notice. And we will be back next week with Betrayal, the Odyssey after that, and Andy will be joining us for Dodger, the week after Odyssey. So thanks, guys, and uh, keep watching Arrow and keep listening to Longbow Hunters. See ya.